Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. Some sermons are intended to be, for lack of a better term, a lecture. Let's learn something. Let's walk through the text together. Some sermons are fire and brimstone. You probably remember a couple of them. But I hope this morning is neither of those things. Because I want this morning, as we think about lament and praise, I hope that this morning is just a warm blanket. Something to make you feel a little more comfort, a little more warmth, and a little more connection. I set myself down this week to reflect again, as we've been doing for the last 365 plus days, to reflect again on one year of being locked down, to do what was just described, to lament and to praise, to mourn and to hope, to ask questions that have no hope of an answer right now, and to seek answers nevertheless. And I spent some time doing that, just trying to think deeply about what all this has meant for me and my own vocational call, for us and my relationship to you as your pastor, and for you all as a congregation. And to try to think deeply about what it's going to mean for us, because I really want this morning to be a good word, something positive and uplifting at a time that can be unbearably weary and heavy. For while this is unprecedented, while there is none of us who remember living through a pandemic, I'm not yet entirely convinced that it is extraordinary. Challenges, major challenges, life-altering challenges are not new to you and to me or to us. And so I'm convinced that maybe we have some tools to make some of this make sense. Unexpected things happen, and in the midst of it, our faith asks us to consider what Alan had just read for us, that we still serve the same loving God who comes to us in our sufferings and opens us up, opens up the way, excuse me, to new life in Christ. And so if we believe in that God, and there are times it is difficult to believe in that God, but if we take that as a premise for this morning, I've come up with two answers for us today. The first answer, as we've reflected on this and thought about this, is that in many, many ways, it's actually too soon for us to make any sense of this. Friends, we still have to give ourselves the opportunity to feel ourselves the entire way through this and to give ourselves some time to get some distance. Because sometimes when things are right in front of us, we make decisions that are very, very difficult, that ultimately don't have the ends to which we hope. And so the first thing I want to give us today is permission to not have this sorted out. Our best guesses at deep, enduring lessons that will launch us into a new era of the church are just that, guesses at best. So maybe it's a good word for you this morning, that if you don't have it all figured out, if you haven't made sense of this, if God's still, and God's place in all of this doesn't make sense, it's fine. We don't need to rush any of this. We simply need to honor where we are in the moment and trust that the Spirit will speak to us and will lead us when it is time. And where are we in this moment? Where do we find ourselves a year later? Well, here's what I see. As one of the people that's allowed, allowed, 
who gets to come into the church just about every day. I noticed that Sunday school happened this morning. I noticed the bells were practicing this week. I keep noticing that you all, for whatever reason, keep showing up for prayer each and every morning. At 7 o'clock, like if we did church at 7, there would not be 20 people here. But somehow online, you all keep showing up. Our neighbors are visited. We are gathered here as best we are able. Things roll on. Which brings me to the other thing that I want to say this morning, which is quite simply this. We're going to be all right. And in this way, I'm reminded of the words, those very famous words of Julian of Norwich, who said famously, perhaps you'll recite them with me, all will be well, and all will be well, and all matter of things shall be well. Christ Church has endured many things before. This particular locale of Christ Church has endured many things. And we shall endure this as well in due time. And so our work of praying, loving, and supporting one another through all of this pandemic continues. At this point, two things can be true at once. We can have entirely and complete faith in God, and we can still have concerns for what the future will be. We can know that it's going to work out okay and still feel urgency to move things forward. So what shall we do when so much of the work we yearn to do is beyond our control? When we so badly want to fix this, we so badly want to get back to normal, and yet there are still so many things that are beyond our control, our ability to manipulate. What do we do with this sense of helpless waiting still? We'll enter one helpless father. Father we read about this morning who comes, completely helpless, one might imagine, his emotions inside coming apart as he shares with Jesus and tells him a story, said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He's falling into fire and he's falling into water. And I brought him to your disciples. I did what you keep telling me to do. I brought him to the people who are supposed to be able to help me with this, but they could not heal him. If we read this passage with thee, they could not help him. I don't think we understand the tenor and tone of this. This is a father whose son is falling into fire and cannot find help. While the situation between what we're experiencing right now and this father are very, very different, the sense of our entire reality being changed by a physical malady and the helplessness and the inability to manipulate one situation to a more positive end rings with particular clarity for me in this moment. Jesus, out of a heart of compassion, and yet nevertheless expressing frustration as his disciples, which Jesus is wont to do, says, you faithless and perverse generation. A more modern translation, maybe, because those words ring a little harsh in our ears. I'm not sure they're quite as harsh as maybe we hear them. It's more, you all have no sense of God. You have no focus to your life. The issue of Jesus' frustration, let us be clear, is not this man and his concern. It's not the son. He is not the one lacking faith. The issue is the disciples. And what is it the disciples tried to do? The disciples who have been following Jesus around, who have seen Jesus 
If she's seen Jesus use extraordinary power to extraordinary ends and want to be like him, so they try to do it themselves. They try to fix the problem by healing this kid. They're like, well, if Jesus can do it, and we're Jesus' favorite, right? We should be able to fix the kid. And they failed to do so. They just wanted to exercise some kind of control and some kind of influence on this to make all this go away, to figure this situation out for this guy, and they couldn't do it. Because we can't manipulate our way to these things. We can't force these issues of faith. They're not working out of faith. They're working out of a context of power. Can we just make it what we want it to be? And the answer is no. They can't. But Jesus does. Jesus can. Jesus is powerful enough to move this man's son from sickness to health. So the disciples are flabbergasted by this. So like if Jesus could, like, we don't, we don't understand what, why this happened. And so they go to Jesus as is appropriate for the disciples of Jesus, including you and me, to, to do. To go to Jesus and say, why can't we do this? And maybe our questions are similar. Why is it that we're still separate? Why is it this pandemic is still here? Again, the question that was asked, you know, is this some kind of punishment? Why can't, we want to give you answers back, but we don't understand the question, what is being asked of the church in the pandemic? It's okay to go to Jesus and say, we don't get this at all. The disciples are like, what just happened? Why couldn't we figure this out? And Jesus' call is cutting and clear. If we're looking for clarity, here's the clarity in Jesus' response. He says, because you have so little faith. I'm not aiming this at us. Just saying, Jesus said, this is an issue of faith. And there are some manuscripts, if we go way, way back, it's not printed in most of our Bibles, but there are manuscripts that we have that say at the end of this verse, because in many of your Bibles, there are no verse 21. Well, verse 21 in some manuscripts says, because Jesus says this kind, this kind of malady, this kind of issue, only comes out by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. The disciples discerned it as one kind of thing, something that could be manipulated and fixed. And Jesus says, no, 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 this is a spiritual issue going on here. So we have these two tools. Jesus is like, here's how you do it, prayer and fasting. But if we aren't careful, we can talk ourselves into some kind of notion that there's this magic formula to fixing all the challenges of our life. If we just pray harder, if we just fast more, if we just give more, whatever, if we just do enough, we can make this all work. No, 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 slow down. Prayer and fasting aren't means to manipulate God. Prayer and fasting are means of connecting more closely with God. The way forward is not to do. The way forward is to be in relationship. How so? Fasting, as it's practiced in Lent and it's practiced throughout the year, fasting is intended not to show just how much we're willing to punish ourselves. Fasting is about clearing out the distractions, clearing out excess so that we can focus and we can hear clearly. This is why we can fast all kinds of things. We can fast food. We can fast television. We can fast, we can, we can, we can fast all sorts of things because it's about clearing out distractions so that we have a clear gaze. Nobody needs to explain to us how we have fasted for the last year. But there is a clarity in it. What will emerge out of that, I'm not yet sure. But there is a clarity to our fasting. 
And second, prayer is not by which we go to God and tell God what we think God ought to do. Prayer opens us up to hear the voice of God. Prayer is not about changing God's mind. Prayer is about us expanding our imaginations for what God can do in the world. Fasting and prayer invites us to draw near to God, not to fix the problem. You say, well, what do those prayers sound like? How would Israel have prayed? Well, if we began earlier with a psalm, perhaps we might end this morning with a psalm. The Israelites and the faith tradition of Jesus would have prayed in, some, in this way. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Now, here's the funny thing. When we read that verse, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, many of us see the Appalachians or the Rockies, or some of you have been to Europe, and you see the beautiful mountains that are out there, and we're like, oh, how beautiful. That is not how Israel read that. Israel read that, I lift my eyes up to the mountains because it was on the mountaintops where the idols of other religions were often built and hid, where incantations and dances and sacrifices were made to get the attention of God, do all the right things and God will sort it all out. Israel looks up at those idols and say, those people know where to go, where will we go for our help? Where does my help come from? Psalmist takes a deep breath, exhales, and says, it comes from the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord, the one who will not let our foot slip, the one who is not slumbering or sleeping. God has not been asleep for the last year. God has been calling us towards God's self. God watches over us. God keeps us from harm. He watches over our coming and our going. That's the prayer that draws us to God. That's the prayer, the faith that Jesus talks about that will move mountains, maybe a little bit at a time, but will move mountains. In this pandemic, friends, we, friends we've never, not once, escaped God's gaze. And while the whole world seeks to bend all of this pandemic to their own will to make stuff happen, the follower of Christ in patience and in trust, believes that God will do the work. And so it is to this work, in what I believe are the final days of this pandemic. Friends, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope that very, very soon we're going to be able to be back together. Vaccines are happening. People are starting to, you know, that's happening. You know, numbers are starting to fluctuate a little bit, and we know that things are up and down, but there is a sense of coming back to a new normal. It's there. And so let us end these final days well, not by trying to make things happen necessarily, but to prayer and to fasting, to the faith that moves mountains. Because this pandemic's not going to last forever, but God's faithfulness will and so in these last days, I will remind you again, my brothers and sisters, it will take us time to figure it out. That's okay. We don't have to know all the lessons yet. God will teach us. God will show us what God has been up to for, the, for an entire year and how God is launching us into the future that he has planned for us. And finally and most importantly, my dear friends, it's gonna be okay. Not because we'll figure it out, but because God is always present. And as the scriptures tell us, he will never leave us and never forsake us. 
the Lord will watch over our coming and our going from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Amen.